I first started running about 15 years ago as a way to quit smoking. Back then, my running clothes were very Rocky Balboa, so sweatpants, sweatshirt. Anyone who goes hiking or trail running knows that it's a lot easier and a lot more fun when you're wearing the right gear. Jonji makes performance apparel that'll take you farther on your runs and hikes. They have this merino wool hoodie that I wore on multiple trail runs this weekend. It's soft, it's warm, and most importantly, it does not get stinky when you get stinky. Another reason to love Jonji is that they donate 2% of all sales towards clean water projects, raising nearly $1 million so far. Head to Jonji.com to find your new favorite trail wear, outdoors accessories, and essentials. And use the code OUTSIDE for 10% off at Jonji.com. That's J-A-N-J-I.com with the code OUTSIDE for 10% off. When I was a little kid, my whole family, grandparents included, packed into a Dodge Caravan and went on a two-week road trip to Wyoming. We saw the rodeo in Cody, a grizzly bear in Yellowstone National Park, and an epic thunderstorm near Devil's Tower. On that trip, I fell in love with the West and the natural world. This might sound cheesy, but it kind of made me who I am today. Wyoming has it all. Breathtaking hikes, kid-friendly museums, two of the coolest national parks in the country. The truth lies West. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Every year, I like to ask people their least favorite uh, Christmas song, but um, oh, that's a great question. What's yours? It's called. It's I don't know what it's called. It's so horrible. It's it goes Happy Holidays, hey, Happy Holidays. Happy Olivia, do you have a least favorite Christmas song? Feeling happy, a wonderful Christmas time. Mine was going to be Grandma Got Ran Over by a Reindeer. Oh, no, thank you. I love that song. Do you? <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why. This is Outside In, show where curiosity and the natural world collide. I'm Nate Hedgie, here today with an all-star panel that I'll introduce in a couple of minutes. But first, as we're dropping this episode on the winter solstice, the darkest day of the year for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, I have a question for all of you. How do you feel about wind chill? For me, it's like when I was living in Chicago or when I was living in New York, like in the winter, you open up the door a tiny bit. It's like, (laughs) and you close it again. And you just don't (laughs) want to go out there. Yeah. So nothing takes cold temperatures and makes them even more unpleasant like wind chill, right? So we called up a guy who has experienced the chilliest wind chill there is. So that blinding white thing in the background is the sun. um, And it actually just came out after about seven and a half days, which is awesome. (laughs) So current wind chill right now is about 14 below. So this is Francis Terazowitz. He's a meteorologist who works at the Mount Washington Observatory in New Hampshire. It's this big concrete observatory that's more than 6,000 feet above sea level. And despite being kind of modest compared to my own Rocky Mountains, this spot is renowned for super high winds. Can you explain the science of, of wind chill? Like, why does wind make everything feel colder? Yeah, so basically um, wind, uh, what it does, especially with exposed skin, is it whisks away whatever heat you have uh, that your body's creating. And so the lower that temperature, the more uh, rapidly that energy, that heat energy is taken away from your skin and your body, um, which is why it's so dangerous. All right, so this past winter, Mount Washington set an all-time record for the coldest wind chill 
ever recorded in the United States. Y'all want to take a guess? I think it was like negative like 50. I'll say negative 65. Okay. 50, 65. Nick? I'll say negative 61. All right. Francis? So I was out in the uh, 108 below wind chill that we recorded back in February. 108 below. (laughs) Wow. That's so cold that any exposed skin would get frostbite within 30 seconds. But even then, you knew somebody at the observatory had to go outside and check the readings. Um, And we actually um, had our intern at the time help us record that record low temperature to sort of verify it. They got the intern to do it, huh? It's always the intern. Cruelty. I hope it was a paid intern for the love of Mike. It better be. All right, so I have now verified that the intern was paid and is now a full-time staff member at the observatory. But the point is, if an intern can put on enough layers to safely brave 108 below... Maybe the rest of us can suit up and still get outside on those cold months ahead. This is our fourth annual Winter Survival Show, where we have assembled a panel of wizened winter wizards to offer tips and suggestions on how to go outside and just love the cold, and what to do on days where it's better to just stay inside. Stay tuned. So, I want to start with introductions. In the studio, we've got Burley McCoy, producer for the fantastic NPR science podcast, Shortwave. Burley, you're also based in Montana, right? Yes, northwest Montana, just outside of Glacier National Park. So, I love winter. So, I hope <laughs> my tips <laughs> apply to other people because I will be out there. It's my favorite time of year. The colder, the better. Yeah. So we've also got Olivia Richardson, reporter extraordinaire for New Hampshire Public Radio. And Olivia, you grew up in Iowa, right? What, what were the winters like there? I mean, there's it's flat, so there's really nothing to stop the wind. So it's just sort of you walk outside, it blows right through you, you just keep going. And then, of course, we've got Nick Capodice, veteran guest of Outside In and co-host of Civics 101, a show about how democracy works in the U.S. Nick, why do you think New Englanders are so competitive about bad weather? <laughs> I think anywhere that gets cold a lot, they have this this sort of school of hard knocks, hmm. uphill both ways mentality. Absolutely. So I, I need a little help from all of you guys, Burley in particular, because I'm not a colder the better kind of guy. I'm, I'm an Ebenezer Scrooge who sits in his chair with, in a little hot water bucket below my feet. <laughs> so I'm very, I'm very, I'm lo- I have some tips, but I'm looking forward to, to getting some new ones today. I don't know if you're going to like mine, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Bernie, let's let's have you kick it off. What is your tip for getting outside even when it's cold and dark out? So mine is ice fishing. Like if you really hate the cold, this might be kind of tough, but hear me out. Uh, so about five years ago, a friend of mine came to me and said there's uh, this class for women. It's called Bo in Montana, Becoming an Outdoor Woman, B-O-W. And it was for getting started in ice fishing. And I love a class to learn anything. Um, I'm not a figure it out yourself kind of person because it's just so inefficient. So we took this ice fishing class and I got hooked, (laughs) literally. (laughs) 
<laughs> you can go out on any frozen lake after people in the season have already started going out. So you can like see people out there. You know, it's already safe. Yep. And you don't even need anything to drill through the ice because you can go out and find holes that people have already drilled or you can make friends or you can buy a cheap, uh, they're called augers, which you drill through the ice. A hand auger is pretty cheap. It will give you a workout, which will make you warmer <laughs> so you're not as cold. <laughs> Definitely have the right gear on. Uh, footwear is super important. Bring a pad to stand on. But we have landlocked salmon in my area, and so I can fill my freezer. I can I can feed my family really? on my hobby. Wow. And uh, this is why I go. Like My husband is a fly fishing outfitter, and he always says, you know, it's a good day fishing is always a good day even if you don't catch anything i'm like no that's wrong it's incorrect (laughs) i go out there to catch um so i have a lot of toys now i have a fancy electric auger i've got a hut and a heater and um electronics so you can like see where the fish are under the ice oh wow and if the ice is thick enough you can even have a fire on the ice so and, and i was never really into that into fishing that much before this so it really like i said got me hooked and so try it. Give it a try. Yeah. So I just want to jump in here and say I used to ice fish all the time. I used to uh, go out every year as a tradition and go ice fishing. And I have lots of ice fishing stories, but there's one I just desperately want to share with you all. Do you remember the phenomenon known as icing? No. Involving Smirnoff ice? Oh, no. Uh, Smirnoff ice, which was universally agreed upon as the worst alcoholic beverage known to humankind. If anybody ever just showed you a Smirnoff ice in any public area... Oh, you I had to this. take you had to take a knee and drink the whole thing. Oh God! Uh, unless you yourself had a Smirnoff ice, you could do an ice block, and then that, the person who <laughs> offered the first one had to drink both of them. Oh God! <laughs> and one year, one year I was out ice fishing, and they're like, "Nick, the tip up, it's up, it's up," and I sprinted out there, and I was like, "Oh, it's it's bite, it's broken, it's giving me a lot of guff." You know, I thought it had a big old pike on the line, and I pulled it out, and it was a gigantic. Smirnoff no ice way. that my friend had That's died. A great prank. No, you run over excitedly and pull out your bounty, and it's a, it's an ice. It was an ice <laughs> whale. Ice it was whale. a big, gross Smirnoff <laughs> ice. Oh, tell me somebody has it on camera. No, no, it's it, it's a it's uh, a story best lived in the mind, Burley. It's a fishing story. So the it's ice, a fish tale. <laughs> the Smirnoff ice gets bigger every time you tell it. Every year, yeah. But I got I got iced on the ice. But um, that's a great recommendation. Ice fishing's the best. How about you, Nick? What do you got for a winter recommendation? Yeah, so I thought about this because, you know, I'm a bit of a grump about the winter um, and I have kids, right? So it's (laughs) like, how do I get them outside? And I'm also often broke. So (laughs) what do you do to get outside (laughs) when you're broke? Uh, Never underestimate, never underestimate the magic of testing the strength of ice around the world. And the, the, the joy of going out and finding the largest rocks and logs that you can <laughs> and throwing them into certain areas and certain bodies of water to see what is frozen and what is not. It sounds so silly. I, I know compared to other like outdoor activities, it sounds so banal. No. But it's truly magical. Like it's the most fun thing you can do out there is, you know, just <laughs> hurling missiles into semi-frozen water. And the sound, right? 
Like there's that beautiful like that's the one. Yeah. That's the sound. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And when we used to when we went ice fishing, we would do sort of similar stuff where we would try to slide cans of beer as far as possible without them falling over on the frozen lake. So you could get it, you know, two hundred feet if you had just the right surface tension. Ice is really fun. Ice is beautiful. Um, Olivia, what's, what's your tip for, for something fun to do outdoors in the winter? Okay. So mine's all about trying to withstand the fact that you are outside. Yes. Um, so I say micro photography, which is essentially just taking pictures in the winter, but you're getting like really small details of like maybe a tiny pine cone. Oh, nice. I guess the idea is that you're just, for at least for me, is just getting really distracted by the fact that like... My toes are cold. My hands are cold. But, like, it's really engaging because you're just, yeah. I don't know, finding the fun in nature again. Huh. What are, like, some of the coolest things to take take photos of in the winter? So before the snow hits, I kind of like doing moss and stuff just because it's, like, glistening. You get the patterns on it. Um, so I'm always looking at, like, maybe plants that are, like, covered in frost or, like, kale or like cabbage because they're still kind of out and about mm-hmm. um but then also like tiny little pine cones like there's these baby pine cones that are so cute i don't know i feel like little fairies <laughs> could like live inside them i don't know that's my thought process do you have to have a, a special camera for that i've been using my like cell phone yeah you've got to share some of these photographs with us so we can put it in our newsletter i will show you one pine cone pic. Okay. <laughs> a baby pine cone pic baby pine cone pic yes mm-hmm. yes sometimes you also find like frozen bees and stuff which is kind of sad actually i shouldn't have said that no i'm sorry everyone. that's part of it this is a show about about the outdoors it's nature yes bees freeze to death that's what happens every mm-hmm. every winter mm-hmm. and they kind of do look cool they're not just sleeping <laughs> no. no i was told no. the bee was sleeping sorry nick i hate to break it to you <laughs> Okay, so on to my tip. When it gets cold, I think that you should find some hot water, specifically geothermal hot springs. Are you all familiar with those? Mm. Yeah. In Burley, you have to be familiar with hot springs. So out west, uh, we essentially have these hot swimming holes. And so the water, it bubbles up from fissures within the Earth's surface, and then it mixes with, like, cold creek water or river water to create oftentimes, like, bathtub perfect temperatures. I mean, okay, if I'm being honest with you, sometimes it's a little too cold or a little too hot. But if you find the right one, it's perfect. So my mom lives in New Zealand, which is sort of the land of the hot springs in like Rotorua, where there's like bubbling mud and thermal springs. Uh, I always enjoyed sort of the fragrance of it. You know, it was a real pungent affair of the... Is it sulfur or what is the... What's It can be sulfury. Yeah. It can be a little stinky. Nobody knows if, you know, you fart. That's true too. So. Just be people farting. <laughs> In the uh, the hot springs, Olivia, have you ever been to one? Uh, I think once a long time ago in Canada, okay. like way up north. Saw the Northern Lights that time, Ooh. though. So. Really? Yeah, it was really beautiful. They're pretty magical, and there's also hot tubs. But I am a strong believer of hot water in cold weather. All right, 
We'll be back with more tools for your winter survival toolkit. But first, what are your tips for getting outside in the winter? You can send a voice memo to our email, outsidein at nhpr.org, and we might even use it on the podcast. That email again is outsidein at nhpr.org. Hi, I'm Lale Arakoglu, host of Women Who Travel. Each story from our guests and listeners is totally unique and utterly personal. We love hearing about your first impressions when visiting someplace new. My first trip to the Patagonia region was on the Argentine side. I couldn't believe the expansive territory. It's like being in Tibet. The emptiness and the harshness really, I found transformative. Or a story told when safely back on dry land. You know, things happened every single day. I ran out of gas on a jet ski in the middle of the ocean. And I was like, what if a sea creature comes to eat me? But then I'm delusional. I was like, I'll make friends with it and it won't eat me. And maybe I'll ride that back to shore. That's how it works. (laughs) Join me, Lale Arakoglu, every week for more adventures on women who travel, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome back to Outside In. I'm Nate Hedgie. Here with me are my winter survival panelists. We've got Burley McCoy, producer of NPR's Shortwave podcast. Hey. Olivia Richardson, New Hampshire Public Radio news reporter. Hey. And last but not least, Nick Capodice, co-host of the Civics 101 podcast. It's the most wonderful time. Come on, everyone. Of the the year. year. (laughs) Why do you sound like the Grinch. Because I am a Grinch, Burley. <laughs> you know, the, the voice of the uh, the voice of this guy who sings Yoda Mean One is the same guy who is Tony the Tiger. Mm. They're great. And was that guy you? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. So let's talk about being indoors. First, the on-screen recommendations, like TV shows and movies. Uh, I am happy to kick us off with my recommendation, though it's not actually a TV show or a movie. So ever since I was a little kid, I have had this weird thing where I love watching people get like super enthusiastic about very particular offbeat topics. So it is one of the big reasons why I love YouTube. Like there are metal detector guys and reenactors who love 17th century food. And then there's my favorite, this guy named Steve1989. This is Steve1989. I hope you liked the video. He is a YouTuber who tastes and reviews military rations. So he does have like more than 2 million followers. And probably because he went viral a couple of years ago, tasting really, really old rations including a hardtack cracker from the Civil War that was, like, literally more than 150 years old. Ugh. Oh, hmm. It kind of tastes like, tastes exactly the way it smells. It tastes like mothballs and um, old library books. Hmm. That's not very good. <laughs> Why does he do so, this? I, so... I think there are a lot of people that think he's just doing it for the gross out. But like, I think what separates Steve 1989, what makes people continue watching him, 
it's his enthusiasm. So like the man has an incredible knowledge of military rations, how we've made them over the years, the caloric densities, the evolution of instant coffees that they use. And he gets so excited when he finds and shares a new ration. And he has this like soothing Bob Ross voice. For me, it is the perfect combination. Like there is this one video He's opening up a perfectly preserved World War II ration when he finds something surprising. Whoa, what? No way. Sorry, I'm freaking out. It has cigarettes in there. Dude. Yes, this must be a March 1943 date of production. I've read about this. That's a little three pack. Manufactured by the makers of Edgeworth. America's finest. I, I got to tell you, Nate, I, I, I love videos where this guy takes uh, ruined old rusty tools and then very slowly restores them to beautiful, gleaming, shiny metal new. Mm. Is this the one they have like a weird like sound vibration restoration type thing? Yeah, yeah. So it's just like, I love it. He takes these, these janky old things from the 18 or 1900s and, and they look glorious at the end. Yes. And yes. You're like 27 minutes past? <laughs> that's, that's the wildest thing you're like what happened all right moving on nick what do you got so what I have to share with you all is my favorite video game I think ever made. Um, it was tough because I'm a huge video game nerd, and I wonder if any of you have played it before. Um, for folks who love history and who love mystery, it's a wonderful game called The Return of the Obra Dinn. The year is 1803, <laughs> and in the game The Return of the Obra Dinn, a dark wintertime masterpiece, you are an insurance investigator. An insurance investigator who's been hired by the British East India Company to go to a ship that has been abandoned. It's washed ashore with everybody dead on board and completely empty. Oh. And your job is to go through this ship. And it's a beautiful black and white retro style uh, graphic design. And you have, uh, you have a ship's log mm -hmm. and you have other various primary resource clues. But other than that, you have to piece through sound that you hear when everybody dies, how people died who murdered them, and by the end of this long saga, you've pieced together this massive supernatural tale of how everybody died on board the ship. Wow. That sounds so involved. And what, what I love about this, too, is you are just a guy with a book. No fighting. Um, no fighting, no action, no... It's, it's just a puzzle. Interesting. Well, here, let me just play the uh, trailer for you real quick. These trade ships, these tendermen, not much keeping them above water, but planks of wood and the grace of God. Only surprise about the Obradin, it's come back empty. Okay, so uh, Olivia, how about you? Okay, so I also have a game to recommend. Okay. I just started playing this game with a friend at her house. It's a game called Stray. It came out last year. Um, but essentially, you are a stray cat, 
and you are in this, I guess, a very futuristic city. I think humanity is gone or dead, and robots are everywhere. They just kind of outlived humans, essentially. The robots are really cool. They have like their own like personalities, yeah. Um, and they are very shocked that you, a cat, have like showed up. So you were like <laughs> this really adorable cat. You have other cat friends. You guys take naps in the sun together. You like live and cohabitate, and I guess something happens, like the floor beneath you kind of like drops, essentially, and you are thrust into this city. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're trying to, you're a cat trying to get home to your friends, essentially. Yeah. Um, I'm not quite sure. I'm so sorry for anyone who's like dedicated to this game and they love it. Um, <laughs> but you, you're, you're again, again, I can't keep saying it enough. You're a cute cat with a backpack yeah. <laughs> at some point. Oh, you gotta love a cute cat. Let's, uh, let's play a clip from the trailer. There's the cat with the backpack. No. The graphics on this, by the way, just look really, really advanced. Like, it looks like a real city. Yeah, I was going to say, this is really realistic. It looks like Blade Runner, but with cats. Yes. And you get to, like, claw like claw at, like, the carpet. You get to knock things over. Like, all the things you ever wanted to do as a cat, you get to live it, I suppose, as you try to find your way home. All right, Burley, what do you what do you got? Okay, so I'm not a big screen person and we've kind of in recent years found certain streaming services. So I found this movie on my brother's Netflix. It's called They Clone Tyrone. Yes. And it is just the perfect combination of genres for me. Uh-huh. Um it's a sci-fi comedy mystery. <laughs> like how do you how do you get better than that? All all in one and they do it so so well and yep. I think um so I've been telling everybody I know to watch it and I think that um it so it came out in Netflix during the Barbenheimer era. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people missed it because of that. But um go watch it now. I mean don't turn off the show, but then after <laughs> the show go and watch it. Um and I had to really think about how to describe this movie without giving anything away. And, and so the reason it's hard to describe is because at the very beginning, something big happens. And I don't want to like tell people what that is. But basically, it's about this drug dealer named Fontaine who starts noticing really odd things happening in his community. And it leads him to uncovering this big uh, this big conspiracy going on in his neighborhood. And so um, Fontaine is played by John Boyega. I was also in like The Woman King and a lot of other things, uh, Star Wars. And so the the scene that I have is um, this scene is when Fontaine is going back to try and refind a secret lab he had found. And it's not there anymore. And the people he's with didn't see it the first time. I don't think you understand me. There was an elevator underground in, the, in, the, in a lab. And, and it's white mother with an afro. Hey, man. Oh. I think you might need some water. You know, sometimes when I'm scratched out, man, I drink me a bottle of water. I be good. What the doctor say? We 82, 83 percent water, man. How do you think all the cells in your body are supposed to undergo osmosis? <laughs> <laughs> like, the humor that they put throughout the movie is just 
It's beautifully done. It's perfect. It's a really clever movie, um, but it also makes you think because it has the un- these underlying themes of like structural racism and mm-hmm. questions about free will. And so there's this whole span of genres, and I absolutely loved it. It was like my favorite movie of the year. And I've seen both Barbie and Oppenheimer. <laughs> I went totally under my radar. I normally like pride myself on like knowing movies that come out i didn't even i've never even heard of this movie before hands down it's a fantastic movie just i think there's so many just like different things that like we like the black community is like concerned about and they do it so well and to have like the comedy and just to touch upon it and then just i don't know i don't want to give it away either but like just like there's so many things that like happen as it plays out it's like i yeah, I did not recognize that Joan Boyega was him at first. I was completely confused by it. There's even a video of him um, talking to his character. Like he dresses up as this character and then he's himself and they're talking to each other. And yes. you completely forget that they're the same human playing different roles because he just he's just amazing. I am watching this tonight. Yeah, I know. I've, thank I know you what all. I'm doing tonight. Thank you. It's on Netflix, you said? <laughs> yes. Alrighty, screen time is over. Let's hear your screen-free indoor recommendations for surviving the winter. Uh, who wants to go first? Olivia, have you gone first yet? I haven't. Yeah, you go first. You go, okay. Olivia. Uh, so if you want to, you know, keep it really spicy and you just, you know, feeling super cold at night, you can always read the Dark Olympus series by katie robert the spicy romance very very spicy romance novel books <laughs> um and they basically are greek mythology um like hades and persephone kind of just reimagining it as a sexy <laughs> way i don't know how to describe it other than it's if you're into the kink world it might not be spicy enough for you but if yeah. you're just getting into romance novels it might be really hmm on the edge for you. So what are the characters like? So Hades is kind of reimagined as a guy who's not evil, um, per se. Persephone is crossing, like, the river of Styx. um, And so she's kind of escaping to Hades, and they fall in love, and they're also trying to, at first, have very kinky scenes together to sort of show Zeus, like, ha, 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 I don't like you. Yeah. And then they, the romance builds. Oh, wow. I love reimaginings. Um, I'm a big Once Upon a Time fan. Yes. And I like when the villain you thought was the villain isn't. Yes. Yes. So that sounds right up my alley. What's it called again? Dark Olympus series. I'm actually excited to read this because the Greek myths are so full of sort of, of, of you know, bad sexual encounters yes um that it's nice to have it sort of re-envisioned with maybe uh you know a little more agency <laughs> you know yeah and uh it's such a good story it's spicy it's very spicy <laughs> just want to give that warning let's see burley you want to go next yeah so my recommendation for off-screen cozy time is to watercolor paint. Mm. And I'd never done it before. I'm very, very, very new to it. 
so my friend loves to watercolor, and I saw a class around our house. It was at a distillery. It was one of those, you know, you all paint the same thing and yep. have whiskey or whatever. Um, there was an, an instructor who gave us this very easy step-by-step to paint a mountain scene. And I liked it so much I hung it up. Like it wasn't terrible. Nice. And um, I, I have it. If you guys want to yeah, see I it. Yeah, I want to see it. Can you post it? I hope you can post it on the show website. Yeah. I'm pretty proud of it. I'm pretty proud of it. Oh, that's, that's lovely. That's actually really it's so beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. The sky is amazing. So it's like a, it's kind of like these white mountains with like a beautiful lake scene in the front and then like red into blue sky. The sky is just like striking. That's really gorgeous. I love the mountains. Yeah. I think I'm going to get into it a little bit more. And if you don't want to get into the hassle of even water coloring, just color. I've also done that. Mm. Adult coloring books are hilarious. <laughs> Alrighty, Nick, what do you got? Oh, boys. Okay. Well, look, I have a crippling addiction to board games. Uh, I I think I own, I'm in the point, I'm trying to sell a bunch. I have over like 100, 150 board games. Wow. Wow. um, Acquired over the last 20 years. Um, So picking one to recommend to listeners, it it was really hard. Uh, The game I'm recommending today is called Root. Have any of you heard of the game Root? No. Mm -mm. Maybe. It's by a designer named Cole Worley. And the premise is you are one of four animal factions in in a woodland Hmm. who are all striving against each other to sort of be the dominant animal of the woodland. Mm -hmm. So when you play, somebody will be usually the cats. uh, Somebody will be the birds. Somebody will be the uh, vagabond. And somebody will be the woodland alliance. The vagabond? The vagabond is a a magical character. (laughs) The vagabond is a raccoon. Um, okay. If you're playing as the vagabond, you have just one little piece, and you're just one little raccoon just walking around by himself in the woods, <laughs> brewing, brewing dandelion tea, shooting people with a crossbow. Love it. Uh, helping some people, <laughs> then deciding to hate them again later. You know, building alliances or ending alliances. Um, what I love about Root is that uh, it's, it's, it's the nerdy term for it in the board gaming world is called asymmetric. And I hate nerdy mm-hmm. board game words, but I'm going to just tell you that one. Asymmetric means depending on who you're playing, uh, the rules are completely different. So, uh, Olivia, if you're playing the cats, what you do every turn bears almost no relationship to what Nate is doing who is playing the birds. You have mm-hmm. completely different objectives, completely different goals. Everything works completely differently depending on who you're being. Hmm. Um, The cats are trying to conquer this snowy woodland by cutting down trees and sawmills and industry and rallying troops like a real sort of like kind of, you know, cats. The birds, meanwhile, if you play in the birds, you're just negotiating a government. The birds are very unruly in terms of how they structure their government. So it's all about uh, it's all about them trying not to shame themselves and trying to have certain people have certain rules about what jobs they do in their you know governmental assignment and all these come together when you play and uh i think in a previous winter survival episode somebody suggested the game wingspan Mm -hmm. that's what it reminded me of 
I love that people like Wingspan, and it is a game I shall never play. It just isn't my kind of game. Because for me, what I like about games is I always think of them as uh, ways for us to talk in a new language, right? I, when I mm-hmm. play a game with you, I'm, I'm communicating with you in a way that I wouldn't in a bar or, mm-hmm. you know, in, in work or something like that. Right. And I, I, my trouble with Wingspan, it's like I'm playing Wingspan and you're playing Wingspan sitting next to me. We, what we do doesn't really have any relationship to each other. Mm, right. We're not arguing. We're not negotiating. We're not interacting. Root is a game about ruthless negotiation and just sort of investigation. Why are you doing that? Why are you moving that there? What I love also about this game, the, the designer Cole Worley is one of the first people to sort of explore the overpresent theme of colonialism in board games. Um, this mm-hmm. notion of, hey, let's go to an island and settle there, you know, which is like right. 80% of yeah. games before 1995. He is always investigating who's there before you came along and how is what you were doing affecting an economy or a system or a government. Mm. And even with woodland animals, <laughs> it's there's a lot of depth to his games, even though it's just a bunch of fun voles and mice squabbling it out in a, in a snowy woodland. But um, there's a wonderful story there, and I encourage you all to come to my house sometime in Concord and play it. That is fun. I'm not a board game person, but... Oh, uh, there's a whole world to explore. Come with me and you'll see a world of pure <laughs> gamification. Between you, Nick, and then uh, our supervising editor, Taylor Quimby. Like, you guys are so into board games. Oh, I have a, I have a tip for anybody who's a board gamer. Uh, any game that you like probably has a list on Spotify or whatever music streaming system you you look. So just like, I think it is crucial to have music appropriate to the game, no matter what it is. Okay. Good rec. Okay, so I'm going to wrap things up with my uh, off-screen recommendation. So uh, since moving out here, we don't have access to a grocery store pretty close. So we've had to like really get back to basics about cooking. Um, and so I have been really getting into making like off-the-wall artisan pizzas. Mm. Um, so I have a very great pizza crust recipe. It's very easy. It's like flour, yeast water, a little bit of olive oil that I got on the New York Times cooking app. Um, I'm going to share that in our show notes as well because it's super easy to make. And then you just go to town. Like you start, do you want red base? Do you want tomato base? Do you want olive oil base? And then you just start experimenting with flavors. I had a uh, jalapeno, goat cheese, garlic, and honey on an olive oil base. Mm. That was delicious. Uh, I've done venison sausage, gouda, and cherry also very good i have also done leeks goat cheese honey and blueberries that one did not work that was bad i also did it on a whole wheat crust which there's your problem right there the recipe yeah it was not good i was like i need to do something healthy i'm gonna do like a whole wheat crust and you just gotta you gotta go you gotta go white flour Mm. sorry Mm -hmm. so that is that is my jam lately is like every friday making pizzas you got a pizza stone I did have a stone and it exploded in our uh, in our oven once. So oh, wow. you got a peel, you got a pizza peel. What's a pizza peel? That's like the big thing that you jam into the oven to take out the pizza. I'm not that fancy, Nick. I don't have well, one of those. Well, just get yourself a peel, man. <laughs> I know what to get you for Christmas now. <laughs> Well, 
I can say for one, I'm I'm actually sort of now looking forward to winter in a way that I wasn't previously. Same. Well, I love winter, and this winter is a very special one because we will have a brand new kiddo. Congrats. I'm going to have to figure out how to ice fish with a tiny human. That's going to be like a fun challenge, though, you know? As long as it's not like a negative 08, 108, was it? Like wind chill. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He'll be fine. That might be my limit. Negative 107, I can do. But negative 108, oh my. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's the show. Big thank you to all of our the folks on our panel. Uh, If you want to hear more from them, be sure to check out their work. We'll put links in our show notes to Shortwave, Civics 101, and all of Olivia's stories on NHPR. And we'll put all of the survival tips that we talked about on our website at outsideinradio.org. And of course, if you have thoughts about the tips we've shared here, or if you've got your own, let us know. You can email us at outsidein at nhpr.org. You can also hit us up on Instagram and X. Uh, we're at Outside In Radio. We've also got a Facebook group that you can join, Outside In. This episode was produced and mixed by Felix Poon. It was edited by Taylor Quimby. I'm your host, Nate Hedgie. Our team also includes Justine Paradise. Rebecca Lavoy is our executive producer. Music in this episode came from Vazion, Jules Gaia, Thea Tyler, Real Heroes, Joseph Bell Habib, Jari, Jay Varton, DJ Dens the Rooster, Frigga, Ballpoint, Dusty Dex, and Arthur Benson. Outside In is a production of NHPR. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Days. The reason I hate it is because of Hickory Dock. Don't forget <laughs> to hang up your sock. Come on. Any rhymes toys with girls and boys? I mean, come on. <laughs> Work a little harder. <laughs> <laughs>